There are two parts to our scripture reading this morning, and what I'd like to do is read uh, the first part, uh, the account of the resurrection in John right now. So let's listen together uh, to John 20, verses 1 through 9. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw... And believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So we read uh, the resurrection story in the Gospel of John just a little while ago. And the resurrection, Easter, is recorded by all four Gospel writers. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one approaches things from their own perspective to a particular audience and with the particular emphasis, even while they all tell the same history. What we're going to read next uh, is only in the Gospel of John, and it's starting at verse 19, an event that happened on Easter, but Easter evening. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so we see and read that the disciples were together, minus, of course, Judas, who betrayed Jesus. And we learn later in this chapter, also minus Thomas. So there were 10 of them. And it turns out that these 10 had quite the experience on Easter Sunday. Behind locked doors, uh, they were fearing the Jews. As Jesus' friends, uh, they probably figured they'd be next up to be arrested. Uh, but then without warning, without the sound of a door unlocking or even opening at all, Jesus comes in, and he stands among them. It's such an odd thing that they might have thought this was a ghost 
or a spirit, but it's clear that Jesus was there physically. They recognized him. He showed them his hands and side, we read, and, and later Jesus will invite Thomas to touch him. And so he was there in body after death, a resurrected body which had more abilities than a regular body because we never read earlier in the Gospels about Jesus doing anything like this before. Any surprise or even shock that the disciples might have had very quickly turned to great joy at seeing their Jesus. And then he talks to them. And so the disciples, these ten, get a very special resurrection experience of Jesus and his word. With all, all the events of Easter, the empty tomb, tomb what we just read here, uh, we might think, oh man, my experience of Easter is never going to be at that level. We'll never get what they got to have. You know, sure, we're going to have a, a really a joyful time in worship in the morning, uh, remembering what happened on that first Easter. And then, you know, hey, afterwards, it, it, it's going to be good if we're blessed to have a meal with family and friends, maybe an Easter egg hunt for the kids, and if we're really lucky, we'll have peeps. But the astounding events that happened back then, they're never going to be repeated today. They're not going to be repeated in my life. And in a certain sense, of course, the resurrection is a one-time event. But I want to tell you this morning that in a very real way, we can have this same experience today. Everything that happens here in the verses I just read with the disciples in that room can happen today for those who believe. Later in the chapter, it becomes very clear that this extraordinary experience isn't for everyone automatically. Thomas doubted. He didn't have faith, and so he misses the experience at first. But when he does believe, it makes all the difference. Also, when you and I, like our new brothers Raymond and David, come in faith, it makes all the difference as we come to Easter. So how can this happen? How does it happen? How can Easter be now? First, Easter is now because the risen Jesus is present. Jesus stands among us, his friends, as he came and stood among his friends on Resurrection Day. Not in body. We learn that 40 days after this, his body ascended into heaven, but in spirit, which is a very real presence. We celebrate this day year after year. Liberals deny the resurrection. They'll say, and they say, Jesus never really died. He was just asleep. 
or they make up some other nonsense. But he really died, and he really rose again. And, and that's really important. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that without the resurrection, our preaching and our faith are in vain. But Easter is more than an event that really happened 2,000 years ago. Easter is about Jesus' presence now, about a personal relationship you can have with the risen Lord today, like the disciples had there in John 20. He's present with you, his child, and since he is fully God, he can go and be present where no one else can be, where no one else can go. Uh, as one pastor puts it, he can go where no counselor could ever go. He can go where no doctor can go. He can go where not even your closest and most trusted friend can go. You know, if you think about it, he can even go into the depths of those who have locked up their hearts and souls to him, who feel they don't need him and that they're fine without him. And, and you and I know about that because he's gone right through the locked doors of our hearts to reach each one of us. And on your life's journey, which includes pain and the loss of loved ones as that list in the back of the bulletin reminds us of these loved ones who have gone on to glory. Through it all, he's with you, always. Psalm 139 says, Where can I flee from your presence? Whether in the heavens, in the depths, or on the far side of the sea, we read, Your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Second, Easter is now because uh, the risen Jesus gives. What's this personal relationship for? Well, he comes to give us something. Peace. He says to the disciples, peace be with you twice. Peace is a single word summary of what we're celebrating this weekend, of what Jesus' death and resurrection are about peace. Romans 5 says we are by nature enemies of God. Sin brings chaos, uh, but he brings peace. And peace means salvation. Have you ever thought about this? If things had ended Good Friday... Jesus would have earned salvation, but you know what? It could never have reached you and me. The Bible says in Romans 4, he was raised for our justification, which is another word for salvation. So now, because he rose, he can give us salvation, just as surely as he gave it to his friends in our verses. And he gives us something that go everything that goes along with salvation, peace and, and comfort and forgiveness, abundant life, eternal life. Another thought um, about Easter being now, Easter is now finally because the risen Jesus sends. He, 
He says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Why does he impart peace and salvation to you and me? Well, for his mission, so we can serve him to equip us and fill us so we can spread the Easter experience today. You might have noticed that last verse I read uh, or wondered about that verse and noticed that it's a little strange. It talks about seeming to say that we have the power to forgive or not forgive as we're sent, but I don't think that that's what it's about. It's not you and me in ourselves having the power to forgive as much as it's about the power of the Easter good news word that brings forgiveness to all who respond to it as you and I go out sharing that message. In a world of revenge, in a world of hatred and, and hurt, that word, forgiveness, that's highlighted here is exactly what people need. And if we don't respond to that mission, that sending, humanly speaking, right, people, people will never hear it. And so we don't stop when we affirm here today, as we are in our music, our singing, uh, in baptism, in the professions of faith, in, in God's word, when we affirm today the history of Jesus resurrection, that he really, truly arose. It's even more than that. Easter is an experience for us now, today. And I, I, gotta, I gotta add on to this that um, any other experience pales in comparison to this experience. And I feel we need to be reminded of this because we're all about experiences. And I think of just this great city that we live in, the concerts, sports teams, museums, theater, art, architecture, food. Oh, man. My sister and her husband took me and Sarah to our first concert at the United Center last month. What a great venue for a concert. It was an incredible experience. It was just amazing, amazing. We loved that. It's such a great night together. With all that we have access to and desire to take in, you know, I, I think it's almost possible for people to get addicted to these experiences. Every week, we've got to find something else exciting and new to do with, uh, you know, ourselves or our family. And thinking about that and the great, incredible experiences that, that we have, that we enjoy, that we talk about, that we share, that we post on social media, I think as God's people, let's certainly enjoy good things, but don't get too wrapped up in them. I mean, we don't want to let lesser things sidetrack us from the main thing, the miraculous experience of the risen 
Jesus that we can have through his spirit and his word. And it's for us. And we want our loved ones to have it. Because you'll think about this resurrection experience. It includes the most intimate, consistent, and satisfying relationship you will ever have. Closer than the most, the closest um, marriage relationship. Two, it's the most prized present you will ever be given. Salvation and all its blessings for our life now and for our life in eternity. And third, it includes the most profound and powerful purpose you will ever receive or have for your life. Sent by Jesus into the world, advancing his kingdom values wherever we go, giving glory to his name all the while in word and in deed, so others can have this experience. And so I want to invite you to step up, to step forward, declare the risen Lord Jesus to be your number one, like the two men did today in worship. And Jesus' spirit will help you keep that experience number one. As Christ's body on earth, that's a big part of what the church, we are about to support each other in this commitment. And, and that's why we need the church, why we need uh, the community of faith so much, week by week, worship, uh, involvement in other ways, opportunities to talk and care for one another like the folks we prayed about and to receive encouragement in the hard times and uh, passion for the mission. And so Christ the Lord truly is risen today. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for resurrection, the resurrection for that first Easter, and that we can celebrate it together as a church family. Uh, bless all who are gathered and who have come here today. Um, help us to go out from here cherishing the risen Lord Jesus Cherishing and knowing that when we just call out to Jesus, the risen Lord, in our need, that we need him, that we can experience Easter even today in our lives and all the days of our life. In your name we pray, O oh God. Amen.